What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into the Ink School Yard podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a Monday afternoon. It just keeps getting worse. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. I've always been, he's always been Thomas Carinante, but it hasn't always been this bad. I'm on location in a quaint New England town. I have a clapboard behind me. I got the beach. I got everything I could ever dream of. And I'm living in hell because the New York Yankees got swept by the Boston Red Sox again over the weekend. Uh, the smart ones among us might say, oh, this, come on. The Yankees are banner. This series under 500. Who cares? Good point. That is a good point. That said, you know the games that you want to win? They're the ones against the Boston Red Sox. The ones that end with the Red Sox beer showering their manager in the visiting dugout. The ones that end with the Red Sox uh, uh, somehow winning a, an unholy cavalcade of umpire disasters, MLB replay room malfunctions, perversions of the rules. Justin Turner is hitting 875 with runners on against the Yankees this year. Those are the ones you want to win. If the Yankees could win one game for the rest of the year, I would have picked yesterday. The Yankees could win five games for the rest of the year entering yesterday's game. I would have picked yesterday plus the four games at Fenway Park. This team sucks. I just want to beat the Red Sox and try to derail their playoff push. And believe me, they think they're in a playoff push. They're an all right team. They're okay. They're pretty good. And they think they're better than that. They think they're a world champion. They have that fire, that mentality because they keep beating you. So I don't really, I don't care about this week. Take the Nationals games, extend the Yankees losing streak to 11, 13, 15. I don't really care. What I wanted was yesterday, I wanted Saturday, I wanted Friday. They didn't even compete in the first two, and they had yesterday taken away from them. And then once they had it taken away from them, they didn't have the gumption in their locker room to go take it back. Not the umpire's fault they lost, just the umpire's fault it was as painful as it was. This is a team of losers, and we'll break it down. Will anyone be held responsible? Will anything come out of Aaron Boone meeting with Cashman and Steinbrenner? Why is Billy McKinney playing injured right now? And if you value your own sanity, do not check the minor league box scores from Sunday and Saturday. But we're here to break them down anyway. You can find us live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time, every Monday and Thursday. Again, I'm having a beautiful vacation, except for it's actually terrible, except for I'm living in a prison of my own making because I'm checking the stupid box score of the stupid baseball team, and I'm in the middle of Red Sox Nation. I'm going to go get scallops later. 
And I guarantee I'm going to see some loser in a Carhartt Red Sox hat. And I'm going to think about what I watched yesterday. There is a teen in a Rafael Devers jersey in line for grilled seafood last night. I, I thought about him for two hours. <laughs> Again, I'm Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante is here. He's got an offer for the viewers and the listeners. If you're joining us on YouTube, if you're joining us on a podcast platform, we welcome you either way. Welcome to the comment section. This is, as always, a safe spot for you to commiserate, but Thomas has a way to make it a little better for you. Yeah, welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, Yankees fans, Yankees haters. We know you're here. We hope you're having a good time. Um, in the meantime, we have an unbeatable offer for you. It's from Caesar Sportsbook. Um, new customers can get their first bet insured up to $1,250 by using our code YGYFULL at signup. Not only will your first bet be completely insured, but you will also be directly to supporting the podcast. Isn't that great? We're here to commiserate with you guys. Um, even though we like, we would have liked, we would have preferred to run today. We wanted to run last week. Now, I think today's episode is is probably one we're not looking forward to because no. of how painful that sweep is. Second no. time they swept by the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium this year. It's awful stuff. Anyway, if you haven't joined the Caesar Sportsbook community, now is the perfect time to make your move. Just remember at sign up. Punch in the code YGYFULL and place that first bet. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer. Um, I don't have any terms for this team. Uh, there's there, ha there really hasn't been analysis to be had uh, for quite some time now, um, unless you really want to break down the injuries and the depth and the lack of indecisiveness by management. Um, so we're just here to talk about the bad stuff. I think probably if we want to go chronologically, we start with this, this meeting. Yeah. Aaron Boone meeting with Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner, the trio of guys who have seemingly brought down this operation from day one, when it seemed to have been turning a corner in 2017, when, <laughs> It's right in front of them. It's right, right in front, front of them. In 2017. Right in front of them. So you have Hal Steinbrenner who cut payroll those uh, following two off seasons, which we discussed at length last episode. Really don't want to talk about it again uh, because it's depressing. Yeah. Brian Cashman who adhered to that and then made the wrong roster moves when given this budget or the, these financial constraints. And then you have Aaron Boone who as a manager has only done worse, whether it's his fault or not. Um, I don't know, uh, but 2018 and 2019, he's never even come close to managing as successful seasons, um, since, uh, the start of the 2020 campaign. So all of these guys to me play different varying degrees of the problem. So I don't like all of them getting in a room together. I, I have to be honest with you. I really don't. Um, so I don't know what was discussed. Aaron Boone mentioned, um, that prospects could be on the way and they yeah. talked about the direction of the team i don't know why this wasn't discussed previously i don't know why there hasn't been a corresponding roster move made today before um the the upcoming week but um what do we make of this do we even care does it matter was aaron boone maybe told that he's gone after this season at this point do you think that there were at least any hints at that in the conversation because the fact that Boone came out of it telling us that they were discussing personnel decisions with their best prospects doesn't really that that's not a meeting that should just always be on the table for people making smart baseball decisions look this series was a wash from the jump basically uh you know a lot of moments seem to portend doom the IKF overturn 
uh, obviously, you know, that's a number one uh, talking, you know, Jake uh, on, on talking baseball today was talking about the Greg Allen ball hitting the top of the wall. We all felt that too. Yep. But this, this series was doomed to a, a Red Sox series win, if not a outright sweep on Friday, when, when you saw Everson Pereira and Austin Wells get yanked from Thursday's game, they're not on the field celebrating with Scranton after they win that Thursday night game. Why? We're all getting ready for an infusion of talent. Potentially we're all doing the math. We're going up. Uh, Pereira's on the 40 man. That one's easy. You know, Wells isn't, that's going to take a little more maneuvering, but still it seems like that, you know, the ducks are in a row and then Greg Weissert comes up early on Friday and, and there's no other roster move. And at that point, like it already felt like the series was over and, yeah. and it was because they came out flat as hell flat as a board on Friday, equally flat on Saturday, just Garrett Cole getting run over. You can have a stinker every so often, but just of course it happened to be it's now that Saturday. It's yeah. Why, why wouldn't it be now? And then they play a competitive game yesterday, but not, you know, again, a lot of pivot points in that game and almost none of them went their way, but the meeting with the meeting of the minds earlier in the weekend, I try to give the Yankees some leeway often. I, I honestly, I'm not a Yankee apologist, but I think I try to see the bigger picture more often than a lot of fans who are just reactionary and screaming. Why didn't they do this? People who yell about the lineup, every day i'm like come on it's it's not like they're really taking games off or it's not like they're not taking the lineup seriously this specific instance i don't understand at all i cannot find a justification for not calling up the prospects prior to this series i don't i don't get it like i i, I don't get it i i'm running it over my head i cannot figure out the benefit to holding back the prospects for when like they're not saving your season right they're not saving no. your season. You're not bringing them in on Friday and then they're going to lead a 12 game winning streak. And then the Yankees are in the playoffs. Probably not. They're just, you're, you want the longest runway possible to determine what they can bring to the team next season. And so if Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone and Hal Steinbrenner really had a meeting where they discussed people who could help, but didn't put it into action this weekend that I don't, I don't understand that at all. If it was about Aaron Boone's, immediate future or future with this team that i understand more yeah because i don't believe he's again how many times we could say it? he's not the problem but he's not the solution and if you have a million if you have a rotten culture having a manager who you don't believe is additive hanging around is not a wise move like if you have something if there's something disgusting going on where garrett cole is saying i've never felt this bad and he's been on dreadful pirates teams and Anthony Volpe is saying, we just need to have fun and we're not. And we need to remember that playing baseball is nice. Like the manager maybe has to leave that scenario. Yeah. So hopefully it was about a plan for call-ups. And then midway through, they pivoted to just saying, hey, you know, this is the end of the road, right? Um, Aaron Boone wearing his full uniform <laughs> in Atlanta, which he never does. Kind of like, hey, I want to put this road gray on one more time before they tear it off my body. Like... I don't I don't think a reckoning is coming for Brian Cashman. Ken Rosenthal talked about it today too, basically saying he thinks Hal Steinbrenner is going to finally put pressure on him to ask him what is the plan? How does this get better? Which I guess is better than putting no pressure on him, but feels like a job for life. It is a job for life. He's not coming close to losing it this year. Why? You know, what would it take for him to come close to losing it? Failing after putting this much of a financial failing again to get out of this financial hole he created with bad signings, bad scouting, bad deadline additions. Like, I guess how many opportunities are we going to give him to fuck up before we say like, Oh, like 
you couldn't escape your a prison of your own making. Okay, great. Then maybe you got to go. But um, yeah, does feel like it's the end of the road for Aaron Boone. And I can't imagine they had many constructive conversations about 2024, except out of courtesy, just saying you're here now. We got to get a look at these guys. We, you know, you're gone. We know you're gone. We love these prospects, but not enough to use them. When do you maybe want to see him? When can you justify it? We'll talk in the future about Billy McKinney too. Like this, this was easy. This, this got really easy this weekend and they, they didn't take the out clause. Anybody would be more forgiving for these guys failing on the big league level than what we're watching right now. The fan base is not stupid. No, I mean, how, what more do they need it spelled out for them? Billy McKinney, 10 for 51 in the second half. Jake Bowers, 13. Jake Bowers has put forth some of the worst at bats I've seen all year. Pinch hit for Jake Bowers yesterday with Stanton, one of the statistical worst pinch hitters in baseball. Yeah. He doesn't come through. You got to take him out. You got Ben Rortvet up with the game on the line in the ninth inning. And I have friends being like, wouldn't you rather have Stanton up there? Honestly, I wouldn't. I'd rather have Jake (laughs) Bowers up than Rortvet. I'd rather have Rortvet up than Stanton. But none of those people is who I want up in that scenario. So really, it's like, it's the South Park episode. It's, you know, shit sandwich or whatever. It's like, I don't don't want any of these people batting right now. So isn't that a roster construction issue? Exactly. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um but Bowers 13 for 73 in the second half, like just three for his last 37 at one point with 20 K's when, when the Yankees needed him most, that's somebody posted about how he's got the third highest, you know, XBA or X Woba in Mm. baseball this year or whatever, when they needed him most, he absolutely went in the hole and disappeared. Another player that I can't vouch for. No, he's swinging. He's, uh, he's swinging over curveballs in like in, in comic fashion. Like it's like a cartoon. It's almost a cartoon at this point. Um, I just don't know what Greg, you trade for Greg Allen. You keep a roster spot for Greg Allen. I understand he has that big hit. He has that misplay in left field. He loses the ball. But like, what is this guy offering to this roster that you are hesitant with bringing up other talent for? Um, I, I, they, the Yankees had an error in every game of this series. They went one for 15 with runners in scoring position. The Red Sox went 12 for 29. After you can't Friday's assume the double play, but yeah. uh, Glaber backhand, that, yeah. sidearm flipped Anthony Volpe yeah. for the one out. Volpe rips would have been safe. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, 100%. That runner yeah. would have been safe. But yeah. the, the Glaber Torres play is insane. The Volpe yep. throw is awful. DJ loafing to the ball on his bad calf. Throw to the plate. Looks like it beats Devers and the tag doesn't. There are four misplays on that play. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the defense at this point is, is there, there's Billy McKinney bobbling the ball on Friday night. Like you, like an idiot, Rob Refsnyder falls over yesterday on potentially the game changing, you know, line drive single down the left field line, still recovers, makes the throw to story story, makes the throw to the plate. It's crazy. Um, yeah. And you have, uh, to me, you mentioned it already. The Volpe quote after Friday's game, like we've long been wondering what's wrong with this team. Is it the manager? Is it the roster construction? Is it the ownership? Is it the players? I think to varying degrees, everybody's responsible somewhat, but you have Volpe saying, you know, they're not gelling. They're not having fun. It's not really a pleasant time right now. I don't know what more information you need. A 22-year-old rookie is telling us that after we have been wondering since 2020, like what's wrong with the energy, what's wrong with the body language, what's wrong with the post game scrum constantly, what's wrong with the lying, what's wrong with the misinformation, what's wrong with the misleading. 
And I think that all of that plays a role into the players just kind of being disenchanted, you know, not really, not really there. Um, and it's, and that parlays into how they play. I know Volpe's been playing better, but I think if a younger player who is just getting his first taste of big league action this season is noticing that as a problem in late August, that means this problem has been going on longer than, than it, than it has. If you think it was maybe just this year or last year, it's probably been going on for a little bit longer than that. Um, and two, if he's the only person willing to, I guess, speak up about this, I think you have an even bigger problem on your hands because um, this should be reserved for someone like judge, like Rizzo, like Stanton guys who have been here for a longer amount of time can probably gauge the pulse of the clubhouse a little bit better, would probably feel a little bit more comfortable kind of calling out the collective because of their stature. Um, and the, the reality is that Anthony Volpe, I don't think he said anything incendiary, but I think he was willing to extend himself fairly admirably to discuss a problem that people have been pointing at for a long time, but have been actually unable to pinpoint because they're not in the locker room. And I think that has to do with the manager. I think that has to do with the GM not assembling the right personalities, which is which we have talked about as a problem for a long time now. Um, but th- those should be all the alarm bells. You have an error in every game. You, once again, don't hit with runners in scoring position while your opponent out-homers you and has 11 more hits with running in, runners in scoring position than you do. And then when push comes to shove and you need to get a run across the plate, your opponents do it time and that your opponents do it multiple times and you do it once yeah the red Sox are the best team in baseball this year and this is per a fan graphs article from last week and i can't imagine that things fluctuated this much after this weekend at getting the runner in from third with one out you know fewer than two outs um they have uh the highest percentage of successful opportunities and they're in the top five teams in terms of I'll get the exact stats, but in terms of most runs scored in that scenario. Um, and that's the article is it's in, it's intelligently written. It tells you all you need to know. It acknowledges that this is not, you know, run around third, less than two outs conversion rate. It's not the be all end all. It's a little bit lucky. Um, you know, some teams, they essentially thought like, I assume this is going to wildly fluctuate as the year goes on. It didn't really it's not necessarily a measure of how great a team is. It just it's it's one part of the puzzle. Um, but the Red Sox are, you know, in terms of opportunities, uh, they had the sixth most opportunities with a runner on third, less than two outs. The Yankees are all the way at the back of the list, fifth worst in baseball. This will not shock you. Again, this is through the 16th. So this is last week. They didn't get any better this week. Conversion rate, the Yankees are middle of the pack. Uh, the Red Sox are number one. The Red Sox score that runner 81.1% of the time. The Yankees are two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. The Yankees are actually 12th best, 71.4%, but runs per opportunity. So when the Red Sox get that guy on third with less than two outs, do they knock out at one run or do they score multiple? They're third in baseball at 1.80. The Yankees all the way back in the bottom third at 1.39. So, Yanks are okay at getting that run home. Not great. When they do, they don't usually score more than one. That jives with our experience. But when the Red Sox have a guy on third with less than two outs, that guy is probably scoring, and they're probably putting up two runs in that inning. 
So uh, Red Sox offense is weird, kind of roller coastery, kind of hot and cold. They just lost a series to the Nationals. They just played poorly offensively in a three-series stretch. It was Royals, Tigers, Nationals. They've just they took most of the month of August off after being hot in July. They got extinguished on a West Coast trip to San Francisco and never really got it back. All this is true. The Red Sox are not overlords yet. They could go on a run, and if they do, they can thank the Yankees for it. But they're a good team that executes. The offense is hot and cold, but when it runs hot, it's really hot. The Yankees are a bad offensive team. The Yankees do not take advantage of opportunities like this. The Yankees are some of the worst uh, at putting up multiple runs. And they love to cash in that one run, but they love to just exhale after doing that. They yeah. stop putting pressure on the opponent at that point. They're, uh, you know, I would, I would die for the Yankees to be hot and cold at this point. Yeah. And, and the, the commentary in, in the chat about how the last year's first half was an awful mirage. I still can't believe that happened, but you're right. I mean, I, I don't know how this group of people put up last year's first half. That is yeah. going to be the number one mystery for a really long time because 2019 it's the juice ball. They all fooled themselves. They probably win the world series that year. If Mike Talkman is healthy and if Giancarlo Stanton is healthy and if Domingo Herman is not suspended, or if the Yankees adequately had enough pitching depth to replace Domingo Herman, they were pretty close that year. But if you look 2019 to 2021, why did these offensive players get worse? We know, we know exactly why these offensive players got worse. First half of 2022 to second half of 2022 into 2023, nothing about it makes sense. You can say it's DJ LeMayhew's regression. is not the only no. engine for this. Giancarlo Stanton, they, bottom line, the Yankees were banking on a bunch of people regressing when they turned 35 or 36, and they all regressed at 32. And that was not the plan. And so now they're done. Yeah, they, I, I forget about like... The sad part is that the Yankees will forever use the first half of 2022 as evidence like this could be legendary, but it's yeah. not because that's the exception to whatever's been happening. And if you look a little bit deeper into it, you're rattling off these stats where it's clear that there's a difference in execution. Um, and how about identity and coaching? Like identity, the Red Sox, shitty month of August, didn't take advantage of a nine-game stretch where they should have very much propelled themselves in the wild card. They should be leading. They should be in the wild card right now. Yeah. They should be in playoff position. They're three out, and they needed to sweep the Yankees to maintain that because the Mariners went on the road and swept the Astros, and the Blue Jays took two or three on the road from the Reds. The Red Sox are two back of the Jays in the lost column, three back of the Mariners. They were three back when this series started. They needed to sweep to maintain that. You're 100% right. Three series against bad teams. They need to gain. They they didn't. They lost oh. ground to the Mariners. And then they come right in and they're like, oh, the Yankees. Let's beat the shit out of them because that's easy. Four um, bad teams in a row. Which yeah. one did they roll over? Yeah, only exactly. one. They only rolled over one of them. The other three put up a fight. The Royals almost split that series. I think the Royals lost one of those games 2 nothing too. The two of those were right on the edge. Royals could have yeah. taken... Well, that was a four bad. game set, so ten games, even more, even a, even a better yeah. argument. Nationals played them great. Nationals yeah. nearly swept that series. Uh, Tigers, the Red Sox played a good series against the Tigers. Dropped one, beat them, beat them twice pretty handily, uh, and then sure. steamrolled the steamrolled the New York Yankees in the Bronx. Yeah, uh, and then coaching. I will, you know, I I I am not an Aaron Boone apologist. I don't think he should be crucified, but. You have two guys who repeatedly kick your ass. Repeatedly. You have a long, a long-term sample size of Rafael Devers kicking your ass. You have a very short-term sample size of Justin Turner kicking your ass. We called it the day that he signed with the Red Sox. 
why are we still pitching to them as much as we are? I'm not saying walk them every time, but the Red Sox have found a way to kind of neutralize Giancarlo Stanton over the last year and a half, I'd say, after he absolutely pummeled them for the, his first you know, three, four years in pinstripes. Why are we not making the necessary adjustments when we know that there is one guy in Rafael Devers who destroys the Yankees? It's proof is in the pudding. He has the most home runs of any opponent against the Yankees. Before, some bullshit handpicked stat before the age of 27 or something. Yeah. Um, but either way, it's not it's not even bullshit because he does it. We watch him do it every single time. He homers off any pitcher that is on the mound. Specifically, we'll do it against Garrett Cole. Um, and the Yankees have not found a way to neutralize really the most consistent and best hitter in their lineup, which to me is a coaching problem. Um, so again, all varying, varying levels of blame to go around here. Don't know why we're not playing our most hated opponent the most strategic in the most strategic way possible. Uh, it also feels like the Red Sox kind of fucked them on Friday night with the pitchcom. Uh, they 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 said. Five Boone complained about it and you know, whining, not always valid, but he did say they told us right before the game pitchcom wasn't working and that we'd have to ditch ours too. Johnny Brito, I don't think Johnny Brito is a guy who I trust to like freelance. Okay, you don't have the pitchcom. Yeah, you guys got to figure it out. Like, and he got shellacked, and that set the tone for the rest of the series. Um, how about this though? Like, yeah, you, you want to pitch around Devers? I do want to pitch around Devers for sure. You want to pitch around Turner? I'd love to change the game plan on Justin Turner. Uh, they are now one and eight against the Red Sox this year. Again, the Red Sox are 58 and 57 against not the Yankees, eight and one against the Yankees. And you want to expand that. They're seven and three against Toronto. So they're 15 and four against two supposed top teams and against the rest of baseball. They're under 500 if you put the Jays in there. Um, one and eight against the Red Sox this year. How many of those games is Michael King directly responsible for losing? Because in my, it's three. three. Yeah, three. The the first game of the doubleheader at Fenway Park got destroyed in the middle of a tie game. Uh, two one lead in the eighth inning, and the third game of the home set in yeah. the stadium. And then yesterday, uh, intentional walk to Devers, and just uh, yeah, you got you got to change that game plan to Justin Turner. Can't yeah. can't be going slider on the outer part of the plate that he just tattoos. They no, that's. They, it's the other thing. It's the players not rising to the occasion and the Red Sox, the, any player in this situation will rise to the occasion for the Red Sox and any player in the Yankees situation when it comes to playing the Red Sox will falter and fall behind the curtain. There was something I expected to be more of a banger tweet because I, I it feels like the Red Sox walk in the Yankee stadium and sweep these series in the Bronx every year or every couple of years. And it feels like I can't imagine the Yankees doing that at Fenway. Yeah, so I started know. pulling the research from 2010, actually relatively even up here, but still obviously an advantage for the Red Sox um, prior to yesterday. Now Boston has four three plus game sweeps at Yankee Stadium since 2010. Yankees have two of them at Fenway in the same time frame. Uh one of those Yankee sweeps memorable, the Stanton grand slam off yeah. Darwin's and Hernandez, the Judge tiebreaker in this, you know, lead flipper in the 7th September 2021, and one of them I don't recall at all, May 1st to 3rd 2015, the Yankees swept the Red Sox at Fenway. The 2015 Red Sox were not interesting. Uh the Red Sox have done it to us twice in a row in 2011 may 13th to 15th june 7th through 9th uh, and then june 4th through 6th in 2021 so the Yankees have done it once in the last three years the red sox have done it twice in the last three years 
but they routinely come in. You're right. How many, uh, how many people on the current Red Sox roster would you say uh, own the Yankees or are indefinably clutch? And how many Yankees, like how deep do you have to go in history before you can name a Yankee who you would say that guy owns the Red Sox? Stanton, I guess. Yeah. Prior, prior to 2022. You can't but, take that. Yeah, I'm not going to take that away from Stanton. But I won't take it away from Stanton either. But the Red Sox lineup, it's Devers, Justin Turner. Uh, Yoshida, I would say, owns the Yankees. Pablo Reyes owns the Yankees. Uh, Connor Wong owns the Yankees. Luis Arias now owns the Yankees on the mound. Pavetta, uh, you know, Kenley Jansen. Uh, Chris Martin, um, who, who even Chris started. Sale, Chris, uh, we we've hit Chris Sale from time to time. I know, but when it matters, he'll he'll shut it down. Well, Evaldi was the number one. Yeah, Evaldi never hit him. Verdugo will find a way to ruin our lives of twice course. a season. It's the whole roster. It's the entire roster. There's nobody. Uh, Mauricio Oliveira. We we maybe would have hit him. We didn't get a chance to face him. That might have been nice. Uh, but they they kill us. They Cutter kill Crawford. Us. Cutter Crawford. They're uber prepared at all times to take down the Yankees. They know what they're doing. James Paxton would have murdered us. Yeah. He goes tonight in Houston. That's, I'm glad we didn't get to face him. But there are four games left between these two teams at Fenway this year. Four in a row. They're weekday games. So we got lucky. There's no Sunday Night Baseball. There's no national spotlight. This is a, this is a last place team playing a road series in September. Mm-hmm. But good Lord. Like they they might be one in twelve against the Red Sox this year. Yeah, it's 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 that's right in front of them. <laughs> the Red Sox roll out an opener with Winkowski. I know Pavetta came in right after him to piggyback, but like that's that works for them. That's fine. They end up not being that they end up not being phased by it whatsoever. They blow a lead, um, and then they just take it right back. I know the Yankees were um, at the center of this mini umpire controversy, which is probably worth touching upon before we start yelling about other shit. Of course. I mean, the game was, the lead was stolen from them yesterday, objectively. Yeah, it was. I don't know. I don't know where the decision came from. I don't know how they made that ruling. It was a bang, bang play. And in those scenarios, when there's not definitive evidence, uh, I mean, 10 times out of 10, you say, uh, the call in the field stands or when it was pretty obvious that he was also just safe and the plate was being blocked. Yeah. Um, the answer is the call in the field still stands. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if this will be a case study for future issues like this, but I don't, I, I again, it was one of those things where it's like, of course, okay, yes, the Yankees cannot be, we've talked about it previously. Like, you know, blaming CB Buckner, blaming Angel Hernandez, blaming um, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy that Boone flipped out on last week? Uh, I don't know, but I mean Come Aaron on. Boone on Aaron Boone on Meme Patrol. Was it Buckner? It was Buckner in Chicago when he did when he did the when he did the strike three. That was Buckner. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the umpire should never be. You should never know who the umpires are in theory. You should never be complaining about an umpire unless it's a playoff game and it's tight in the seventh or eighth inning and there's a blown call. The Yankees will find a way to complain about blown calls in the second and third inning and they will hold it as the reason why they were unable to capitalize on a certain opportunity when in reality they go one for 15 with runners in scoring position or they strike out 13 to 18 times in a game. And then, of course, the one play that's highlighted is, you know, a missed strike three call or a missed ball call that was strike three on DJ LeMahieu or a low call on Judge or this play at the plate that that ended up screwing them. Um, 
you get any other hits with runners in scoring position earlier in the game, you're not in that position. You're not at the mercy of being the the, the center of an umpire controversy, which doesn't doesn't do you any favors because honestly, if it were us and the roles were reversed and this was the Red Sox, I'd be laughing at the Red Sox for being a bunch of babies for crying about what the umpires did to their poor team. I was earlier in the game. Alex Cora got himself ejected mm-hmm. on a called straight. Yeah, like three. what, the second inning? In the sixth, uh, that was like uh, maybe a half inch low on Trevor Story. And if you look at the pitch plot. Oh, yeah, that was Michael King. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, it wasn't. the In the second inning, there was just a, an awful call. But you can understand why the awful call was made. It was a Harrison Bader pitch down the middle that he took. He started yeah. walking back to the dugout. The umpire yeah. didn't call it. But it was because the catcher called for a high fastball. Pitch was low in the zone. The catcher went and, and unframed it. So it's no shocker why that call got missed. Yeah. You look at the pitch plot in the sixth inning story, A.B., the last strike was this low, but it looked like a well-framed strike three. And ball two in the at-bat was in the middle of the zone. The, yeah. the, the green ball in the MLB plot that everybody loves was, was right there. <laughs> so the umpire, the umpire beefed one, got one a little iffy, and then benefit hurt the Yankees, benefited the Yankees, right? Yeah. Alex Cora gets himself ejected, then gives a motivational speech every fucking pitch counts or whatever after the game. Good for good for you, Jack. But like, of course, that bad luck for the Red Sox last all of two innings. There's a screenshot that makes it look like Connor Wong blocked the plate, but there's also a video of Isaiah Connor Falefa's foot hitting home plate yeah. before the tag is applied. And uh, the replay review room, thank goodness for them, gets the chance to put out a little printed out piece of paper after the game that says, uh, hey, we reviewed it and uh, we made the right call. Oh, thanks. Can I see the replay? Or are you just going to give me a piece of paper? Because it looks like you're just giving me a piece of paper. I'm not sure I've ever seen something get overturned with that level of evidence. Like, it, at home, obviously the umpires in the replay center are not in Yankee Stadium, but you're, gonna, you're overturning the call on the field? Now, Luckily for the Yankees, it's a horrendous call and it helps define this game, but it doesn't tell its story because they, they clay Holmes melts down in Miami last Sunday. They don't use clay Holmes between that meltdown and yesterday in the ninth inning of a tie game. Is your brain? Okay. Is it overheating? Are you, are you, are you okay? Really? Genuinely? I want to sit you down because guess what? Two on no outs. And the run ultimately, and he works out of further trouble, gives the Yankees a chance in the ninth. But of course, Clay Holmes would have given that run right back. He did. He almost gave more up. So we would be tied 6-6 going to the bottom of the ninth. And we would have wasted a Greg Allen leadoff double with a chance to walk it off. The Yankees' uh, destiny may not be right there in front of them, but yesterday's game still was, even after that bad call was made. They brought in a, a decomposing pitcher, one week removed from another horrible meltdown, and he gives us another one. And then uh, bottom of the ninth, the tying runs on second with nobody out. DJ LeMahieu gets drilled with a pitch, and then the inning is over from that point forward. You have the chance to make that blown call just another you, – you have the chance to make that blown call a funny talking point on Red Sox talk radio this morning. Instead, it's the defining point of the only game in a three-game sweep where you were at all competitive. Thanks to Anthony Volpe, too. If not for him, they don't do anything, which we can transition into the minor league stuff if we want because, again sure. – not going to save this season. No. Season's dead. Season's been dead. Not going to save the season, but you know what? I guarantee they're going to accidentally get a little better if they yeah. promote these rookies. They'll get the Mets themselves. by happens yeah. all the time. Happened to the Mets this year. Happened to the Yankees in 2016. Every Yankees were like within a game and a half of the wild card in 2016, thanks to Gary Sanchez. 
I'm not saying Everson Pereira is going to go Sanchez it right now, but touched on this earlier. There is no excuse, no excuse for not calling up these kids before the Brave series. There's no excuse for not doing it before the home series against the Red Sox. And if I don't see the tweet tomorrow, I'm going to lose my mind. And I'm not going to see the tweet tomorrow. No. There is no excuse for, there is absolutely no excuse for not doing this after the service time deadline. Yeah. Um, that if they want to do that, great. Like I understand every team does that. Um, and this, the Yankees team isn't good. So if, yeah. you, if you want to wait, then okay. Yeah. I, but also like you're, you're worried about what 2029, you fucking idiots. You're worried about losing somebody after 2028 instead of 2029. Like that's, you're looking that far ahead. And if you're looking that far ahead, it explains a lot because you're not looking at what's right in front of your face at this very moment. Um, either way, like you said, is this going to revolutionize things? No, it's not. It's going to maybe get Volpe some peers around him. I think that helps probably to an extent. It's going to help forecast what you can do next year. It's going to maybe better define who's a true trade chip in the offseason and who's not. Change your offseason plan. That's what it does. Yeah. It, it, you might not learn. You shouldn't install these people as starters with no competition, but you'll learn who could be a trade chip. You could showcase them or you could straight up add extra competition to an empty left field hole. Exactly. And like I said, I don't know how it gets much worse than Billy McKinney, 10 for 51 and playing injured. Jake Bowers, 13 of 73. Greg Allen, four for 22, and Ben Rortvet, four for 41. Rortvet's actually put, I think, a decent amount of swings on balls and just hasn't been able to cash in. Like, he's also the victim of a lot of injuries over the last couple of years. So I'll sympathize with that. Made the best contact of anybody in the ninth yesterday. Kind of yeah. almost sort of just missed sending a walk off three run shot into the bullpen. But yeah, but didn't. I, yeah, I know. Better at, better at bat than what Glaber and Judge did. Right. It's 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 crazy to say, but either way, if the Yankees are looking at this current team, there is no way they can justify they there's no way they could sit there and be worried about things cratering. Things have already cratered. Things the the cratering really happened when you did nothing at the trade deadline and believe either believed or tricked us into thinking that you believe that this team was in it to win it. This team at no point was in it to win it. Um maybe Maybe in early June when it looked like they would be okay after taking that series against the Dodgers, but then Judge's injury happens and everyone was staring down the barrel of uninspiring play for the next six weeks or however long he'd be out for. So the fact that the Yankees knew what they had when Judge was out of the lineup, they knew what they had with all these injuries, um, they knew what they had with kind of a shaky bullpen, um, a rotation that wasn't delivering all these other players that they failed to get rid of at the deadline, that they would be stuck with them um, and wouldn't be watching their play improve. At that point, you knew it was over. So anything, any, anything additive you do here, no matter how minor it is, is going to show positive results because there is no way that you can get worse than the amount of strikeouts this team has had. There's no way you can get worse with runners and uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. There is no way you can get worse with, I mean, well, you're not changing the manager, but in terms of putting people in the right positions, like it can't get worse. Not pitching Clay Holmes for a week, inexcusable. I didn't even realize that happened because I haven't been concerned about the back end of the Yankees bullpen. I was just concerned about them hitting a baseball at some point. And of course, I was like, you know what? I'll be concerned about the back end of the bullpen when they actually start scoring runs and then they don't score runs for a week. So you're like, okay, who cares about the back end of the bullpen? And then you're reminded, oh yeah, 
And Clay Holmes hasn't pitched in a week. And the last outing he had was a historic meltdown. He, and now we'll bring him in for a I'll, very important game against the Red Sox in a series finale where if we blow it, it'll be just as embarrassing. I'll correct myself here. He pitched one of the games in Atlanta that I didn't watch. Did he? Oops. I uh, threw that. one shutout inning, 13 pitches in Atlanta. But it was all. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. But 15th to 20th, nothing. And then right back in the fire against the Red Sox. Five days yeah. off. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You have, you have these guys in the minor leagues absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. You're finally seeing. You are finally, finally seeing the development from double A AA to triple A give you any results because they haven't in how long Austin Wells playing well at triple A Everson Pereira historic start at triple A um, Oswald Peraza. I don't, I haven't checked in on the progress because I know that they're not going to use him anyway, but for a time there was absolutely lighting up triple A and he had done so last year. So these are the three case studies you have where there is the improvement from the lower level to the upper echelon um, you even have Praza MLB experience, like really not bad. I think also maybe a victim of just this team being stupid, um, but his defense was good. His bat did provide some sort of electricity when he came up for a little while last year. Um, and you're not acting upon this. And I, I don't know what, I don't know what the next steps are for them unless they're stashing all these guys, hoping they perform well um, for the remainder of the season in AAA and then talk them up in the off season in trades. But again, who are you trading for? Sunday was uh, Sunday was the worst case scenario for the Yankees in, in terms of all of this stuff. And Saturday, Saturday also really bad. Uh, if you were not following the minor league lines, Everson Pereira homered twice on Saturday. Austin Wells hit a three-run shot and a grand slam on Sunday. Peraza made a great play up the middle, basically right when Volpe and Glaper fumbled that double play and went six for 10 on Saturday and Sunday. He's been struggling a little bit with the bat lately. Numbers on the year are down, but yes, heated up right around the corner this weekend. Uh, Jason Dominguez also three doubles yesterday, four hits. He's now, remember when he was batting in the like 190s, 203 range, he's now hitting 254 on the season. He's red hot on fire. Not that they should use him now, but that he's conquered double A and maybe we give him a couple of weeks at triple A this year to kickstart things. He should not be starting on the Yankees opening day roster next year. He should be starting at triple A next year. He does not have Volpe potential, but five days of triple A ball this year. Start the ro- start the season on the AAA roster next year. Be ready to go by July, August. Turn the same corner. Be a potential September call-up for the New York Yankees next year. He looks incredible right now. At the very least, if you call up Pereira, you could bump him up. It'll probably be Elijah Dunham, but you could bump him up. Pereira's got to be here on Tuesday. 
He just does. Again, they are not going to change the season. No one is saying that. But there's no excuse not to have him on the team. If he struggles, guess what? Everybody here is currently struggling as well. And you've held on him for this long. Are you really going to, is a team that likes Pereira really going to get dissuaded from trading for him by like a bad six game sample size in a lost September? Probably not. He needs to be on the roster right now. And he needs to be on the roster right now, even more so because Billy McKinney is hurt. So say what you're going to say about, uh, they don't want to lose McKinney. They don't want to lose Bowers. They don't want to lose Greg Allen. They think these guys might be a part of their future. Billy McKinney is battling a stiff back and not playing well while battling that stiff back. If you were confused before about where the kids are, you don't even have to lose someone. Billy McKinney can go on the injured list, which is a list where injured people go and they can then be replaced by active players. Billy McKinney can spend 10 days on the IL. He can spend 15 days on the IL. You don't have to DFA Billy McKinney if you call up Everson Pereira. You can place him on the injured list. They don't do that. You know they don't do that. If you don't want to call up Austin Wells, yeah, I get it. There's You got to make some space, but like, what what are your Jake Bowers coming back next year? Billy McKinney coming back next year? Greg Allen coming back next year. Albert Abreu coming back next year. These are people I didn't want to lose. Just keep naming. Yeah, the people I didn't want to lose in June. Luis Severino. Yeah, the people I didn't want to lose when the roster was absolutely decimated and it looked like they were picking us up for a little while, which they were. They served their purpose. They are depth players and they play. They 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 played admirably during their time of filling. Now they go back to being depth players. They should be coming off the bench. They should not be featured cast members. Um, I'll keep going down the list. is um is Luis Severino going to be here next year? I did did he how much more how much worse does he have to perform for you to keep justifying a roster spot or an option? I mean, I don't I, I again I don't know what that what why there's any hesitation here to make even and even a semblance of an improvement or just giving somebody a chance. Um Again, I think it's very important you get peers around Anthony Volpe. He's the youngest player on this team. I think it would benefit to have him around guys who are similar in age, similar experiences. Um, I, I don't know. That, that just seems to be a sensible thing to do. And the fact that you're keeping three journeymen on this raw, four journeymen on this roster, if you include Albert Abreu, who have had... Uh, spurts of success and nothing at all consistent that suggests that this is going to alter the chemistry of the team or even anything beyond this season or honestly at that point anything beyond July then the then the team is being run so even more poorly than we could have ever imagined because they're not again they're not playing the hot hands they're not calling these prospects up when they're playing well they're calling these prospects up after they plateau and then everything's downhill from there. They lose their confidence. Um, you know, they're, they're maybe called upon to do too much. I, I don't know. But the whatever the Yankees process is, is not only is it inconsistent, but it's also seriously flawed. Because Volpe, calling, them calling up Volpe in the beginning of the season bucked every trend that's been Yankee-esque for however long. 
you know, they had, and, and it was crazy because they had the excuse. They had Oswald Peraza to be there to be the opening day shortstop. They could have afforded more time to develop Volpe. They could have figured out a new role for Peraza. They could have brought Volpe in at second base. There's a million things they could have done. And I think they made the right decision to bring up Volpe. But if you're going to buck the trend like that, then at least follow some sort of process behind it. When you have other guys who are hot, you have other guys who are playing well, you have other guys who can clearly come in and fill gaps on this roster and they're not doing it. So yeah, I hope to see the tweet Tuesday. I really don't think I will. Randy Vasquez is the third best starter on this team. Yeah. Again, how many times are you not going to start him? Mm. Like, I don't think I, I don't foresee. Oh, I'm not like in, you know, fortune teller mode or it's like, I foresee Randy Vasquez on the mound in game three of the 2025 World Series. I'm not predicting anything right now. He's the third best starter on the team and he's getting an opener used for him and he's going three innings at a time and he has a sure leash than Luis Severino ever had. And he's starting every couple of weeks. Yeah, like it's just he's not really a part of it. Again, none none of this is we're past. This team is past saving. No one is trying to forecast how they can make up a nine game deficit with thirty eight remaining. Teams have done it, not this team. Also, teams haven't really done it with like six teams in between them. That doesn't happen. Yankees are behind the Mariners, Red Sox, Blue. Like they're 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 not leaping all of those teams. No, one of those teams could show. This is not about finding the Yankees a, a road to the playoffs. This is about establishing something, a baseline level of information for next year. We got to learn more about these people. We got to learn if these rookies can handle a breaking ball. We got to learn if Everson Pereira can go oppo in the bigs. He's hitting 300 at the AAA level. His, his advancement this year, he's like one of very few Yankees to dominate a AA, dominate at AAA, linear. That never happens to this team. No. Um, there's a, a very encouraging graphic that somebody put out today, a Cubs fan who put it out basically in, in, intending to show you over the weekend how dominant the Cubs minor league teams have been. But the Cubs finished second to the Yankees in terms of total system run differential. And most of that is Somerset. Somerset is plus 181 this year. They are killing teams. Does that league suck? Not really. They are killing teams. And Scranton is just over the plus. Tampa is just over the plus. The Renegades are also pretty a, a good deal over the plus in more normal, normal fashion. Uh, the double A Somerset Patriots are pile driving. Nobody goes from double A AA to triple A and dominates immediately. Everson Pereira just did that. So bring them up. Bring anybody up. Again, I don't care. Bring anything up to alter the chemistry. Again, more and more guys that you bring in to try and fill whatever voids there are, either are only doing their duty as a barely a barely above average replacement player filling the gaps temporarily, or they are clearly not part of the long-term solution because they are being overtaken by whatever rotten Yankees disease is contagious in the clubhouse. Um, do you remember when they were winking at the idea of getting Luke Voigt too, and then just didn't yeah. do that at all? Like yeah. why, why are you winking why are you yeah, smiling? Know. Why are you pretending? Why are you saying we'll see? Just we won't see. Or we'll see that you're not going to do anything. So no need. No need No need to have meetings. No need to have you know group discussions. No need to do any of these things. Nope. And now... Why? <laughs> why? Uh, why? What, better, what better time to bring the guys up to? Like, I'm not saying the Nationals are bad, but like that's the closest competition you're going to get. Better to, uh, right about on the level that we are right now. Maybe and a little bit better. Obviously, they're they're pretty hot. 
Yeah, but they have like they, the a lot of that roster is comprised of younger players, so like they're going to get a look versus similar guys of similar age who have now had more experience in them because they've gotten the calls. The Nationals have been fairly aggressive calling guys up, um, and then you can get a nice little preview against the the week after you have the Tigers too. It's a four game set, like not a good team. Play the young guys for that. If you want to rest them, rest them during the Rays series. If you don't want to intimidate them that much, even though the Rays again kind of cratering, like in turn, like overall big picture, a lot of injuries, a lot of inconsistent play. Like you could play them one or two games in that series and not like feel feel like you're hampering, you know, uh, their development or whatever. So I don't know. I, I I really don't know the answer, but whatever the Yankees are doing is not it. It was the AL was wide open. It's the worst yeah. part about oh, yeah. the Yankees cratering this year. The Rays are losing their way, and and there's a horrible thing going on that nobody wants to talk about. But it's a part of the Rays' story for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. The Astros are not as dominant as they should be. In fact, they're a half game up on the Mariners for a wild card spot right now. Could easily fall out of that area. The Blue Jays are fraudulent. We know that. We know they're paper tigers. No one believes in the Blue Jays. Uh, the AL Central might be the worst a division has been in the modern era. A team's going to win that division with 84 wins. Whoever's a sixth wild card is going to knock them out. That's what's happening. The Orioles are great, but the Orioles rotation, are we sure? It's a bunch of kids. They've never been in the playoffs before. Ditto the Texas Rangers, relying on an aging Max Scherzer, an injured Nathan Evaldi. They're probably the AL front runner right now yeah. in, in scare quotes. But if that's true, then that means the AL is wide open. Exactly. That's why the Red Sox were believing after this weekend. That's why the Yankees could be right in the mix if they didn't flatline this season, if they didn't refuse to call up prospects, if they didn't get worse month over month over month. Uh, and it just blamed the whole downfall on Aaron Judge's injury. That's why we're still agitated in the middle of a lost season in August. We still have points to make because it's a directionless team that could have easily accidentally won their first World Series of the era this year, and they're not going to come close. They've never been further from it. No, uh, I don't. I got nothing for them. I really I have nothing no. else. for. It's a bad team. It's a bad product. It's I don't know. You didn't even have to watch like the. You, this Yankees team is so bad that you can you can just look at the box score and know exactly what happened. And there you don't need you don't need to watch the full nine innings. You can catch you can catch the five minute recap from at the MLB doc uh, the MLB highlights YouTube, and you could be fine. You could look, look again, just look at the home runs, look at the extra bases, look at the strikeouts, look at the runners in scoring position, the box score, and you're like, oh yeah. They've been doing that for, yeah, four years now. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, and it is it it it, it is a shame because the AL the 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 AL is not convincing it, to me. It's going to be a really fun playoffs because there is no clear cut winner. Obviously, I I ultimately think the Astros will probably just get it together at some point, and then they'll just they'll just laugh at all these teams in the playoffs and end up powering through. But like highly possible if there was any better year to rival the Astros, it was this year. They lost, they lost two, two fifths of the rotation for the entire year. They had Jose Altuve and Michael Brantley out for a majority of the year. They had Jordan Alvarez out for all these stretches that obviously compromised the offense and they're still fine. And they're still going to make the playoffs and they still might have a shot at the division, depending on what happens with the Rangers. And if there was any time to challenge that in the playoffs, any time of all the seasons since 2017, it was this year. And the Yankees are 60 and 64 on August 21st. 
Well, fuck you, Yankees, and I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, That's it for this edition of the podcast. We'll be back on Thursday. We will, of course, be watching this stupid team play the Washington Nationals this week. We'll be here to recap it on Thursday on YouTube Live or on any of your preferred podcast platforms, even on your not preferred podcast platforms, whichever ones you hate. We'll be on those, too. Uh, This team's terrible, man. This team's terrible and uh, potentially going to change that a little bit in the short term. Tomorrow probably won't. Don't count on it. Don't bank on it. Don't watch the games. We'll watch them for you so you don't have to. We'll get the alerts, the score updates. We'll scoff at our Apple watches. We'll have the worst time on earth so that you don't have to either. But come by Thursday. We'll see you here. Listen to us. Put us in your feeds. We'll help you out through this tough time. Again, Caesar Sportsbook. The promo is YGY full. I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter or X.com. I still have it. Still, you can't. Hey, if you blocked me, I'm unblocked. Sorry. Hate to do that to you. Uh, Please join me there at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? Everybody hit me up at Tommy's underscore takes. Hit us up at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Um, Once again, we appreciate you guys reading. A lot of people on the site this weekend. Um, We're trying to keep up to date with all the good content. We're trying to hold the team accountable. We're trying to give you all the information that you need if you're not catching all these games. So we will once again be in tune. Uh, Don't bother watching. If they don't call up any prospects, we'll be here to report the same old for you. Until then, we'll talk to you Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern live right here playing the nationals and i can't say i expect anything good to come out of it two guys with 70 ra's pitching in this series wrote on and severino Six innings oh for the uh, for for us yeah no for us for yeah. us yeah no for us this time now, usually if it's for the opponent opponent that spells out six innings two earned runs uh five hits but yeah yeah enjoy guys enjoy guys we'll see you on Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.